Hey guys, welcome to Rihanna's Lens, where I interact with you about the components in the STEM field and introduce you to fascinating people who passionately inhabit the scientific and technical frontiers of our society. My name is Rihanna Manhotra, and I'm absolutely elated to share this podcast with all of you. On this episode, I'm joined by a guest who's a treasure trove of experiences. She studied biomedical engineering with a chemistry minor at Florida International University, then went on to attend UMass Medical School for one year for the prep program. Then she attended Georgia Tech, one of the best to get her master's in biomedical engineering. She was later opened up to a passion for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and is now pursuing a career in this area. I am so glad to welcome and introduce Natasha Hirbiashi. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to begin our discussion. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Rana. So um, before we get into this, I just wanted to ask you, uh, what exactly is it that motivated you to get into the biomedical engineering field? Yeah, so I think one interesting thing is originally I was marine biology. Um, I did an internship at the Baltimore National Aquarium and I just fell in love with it. Um, When I got to FIU, I learned that BME was a thing. I didn't really know that was a possibility before. And actually one of my friends in high school, unfortunately lost his limb due to a staph infection. So he has a prosthetic. And that, when I learned about prosthesis and um, the field of biomedical engineering, I was like, oh, I didn't even realize this was a possibility. Um, And that's when I decided to switch my major because I found out like through BME, you can really improve the quality of life of those around you. And um, I really wanted to help those around me. Uh, So that's, that was my initial interest was prosthesis. Yeah, I think um, having someone impact you is a like a good way to start and jumpstart to get into a field because that's what really pushes you when you know that, oh, someone in my family or someone who was my friend went through this. So how could I do better to help them? And biomedical engineering, like you mentioned, there are prosthetics and there's tissue engineering, so many fields into this that... Um, there are, there's one field that is doctors and then there's another which is biomedical engineer, engineering which is basically um, helping the doctors to build equipment so I think that's what really helps a lot. Yes there's a lot of different directions that you can go with in BME so you can assist medical doctors you can do research and get your own PhD um, and there's a lot of different uh, focuses or special specialties within BME as well. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I love about any engineering field is that there's so many ways to go. Like if you take mechanical engineering, you can always jump into biomedical because it still has that mechanics and how to build the things. So you can can still jump into those different areas. So that's the best part about biomedical, about any engineering, in fact. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing, so what I saw within my graduate program, um, I specifically came from BME, went into BME, but that wasn't necessarily very common. Um, Not every school has BME programs, but people came from biology, people came from mechanical engineering, people came from electrical engineering. Um, It is the one thing that does make it a little bit difficult about, at least for teachers for biomedical engineering, because 
you have so many students that come from so many, so uh, many different backgrounds. It's kind of hard to teach because everyone's starting at a different place. Yeah, absolutely. Like I can relate to this because um, right now I am currently going to apply to universities. So I was looking into the biomedical engineering field, but I saw that not a lot of universities have this as an undergraduate program. I think it's partly because it's a new field. Yeah, it was developed uh, in the late like 1960s. Some schools started having departments. So it's definitely that's new for science. Yeah, absolutely. But I think this is just going to uh, boom ahead because it's, I've just, I just researched a couple of days back. It has, I think, a 24% growth rate in the future. Oh, wow. You know that. I think, yeah, one, one area that's really booming right now is uh, within um, machine learning. Mm-hmm. So you can essentially, I just took a class on this. It was one of my last classes in my grad program. Um, so out of my realm of expertise, but really, really cool to learn about. It was uh, essentially you're teaching machines how to learn, how to go through different algorithms to give you data or have like a, a prediction of an outcome. And as you know, biology is extremely complex. So being able to narrow down possibilities is helping science um, go a little bit faster, which is really important for drug development, drug delivery, um, discovery of uh, different markers for different diseases, you know, a plethora of different things. Yeah, and what's funny about now, like these days, even if you take a biology field, you still have to learn some machine learning or coding because that's basically the future and the world we are living in now. Everything around us is code. So there's just no escaping it. We have to learn it, even though it's not something that some people might find interesting, but it's just the way it is now. (laughs) The cool thing about coding and I guess the internet in general, is you can learn anything online. There are so many different coding websites. Um, You can get a bunch of different certificates for free. I don't know, many different uh, companies are actually dropping certain requirements for degrees because they're like we just want to see that you have the skills if you're able to code we want you so i mean you take one thing from this interview learn how to code (laughs) yeah absolutely i think that's just extremely important now no matter what field you're in just learn how to code and like you said what's best it's online you don't need to go anywhere to learn it's just everything on youtube or even there are so many courses like edX. there's a platform edX and coursera so there are so many places where we can learn from. <laughs> and uh, moving forward, so we're talking about, I was, as I mentioned before, that there are so many engineering fields and they're so correlated. So could you mm-hmm. uh, show some light on how biotechnology and bioengineering differ from biomedical engineering? Well, so you said biotechnology and what was the other field? Uh, bio, uh, sorry, biotechnology and bioengineering. Yeah. Okay. So that is one thing that escapes me just a little bit because, um, so for example, at, uh, Georgia tech, which is where I have my experience, um, the BME program goes between the medical school of Emory and the engineering school at Georgia tech versus bioengineering is just at Georgia tech. So for me, because I wasn't in the bioengineering program, we have a lot of similar classes, but it seems that they are a little bit more engineering heavy, focused on um, the mechanics side, uh, prosthetic development, um, device development, 
versus biomedical engineering, at least again, within my experience, seems to be more biology heavy. Uh, so you have the opportunity to do uh, cardiac research, basic, basic biology research, but you're approaching those problems with an engineering mindset. So through my experience, that's kind of the difference, um, but they're very much so intertwined because even within BME, you can go to the device development side. Um, it's really, the great thing about it is because it's so broad, you can go into the area, the specialty that interests you the most. Oh, so um, have some people also gone into the medicine side after studying biomedical engineering? Oh, for sure. A lot of people. Um, so there's also programs called MD PhDs where you do them at the same time. Um, I had a, a lab mate, actually a brilliant student. He just loved to learn. Um, you, you have to love to learn if you do an MD PhD program. Right. Um, and basically, at least how it worked at Emory was you did your first I believe a couple of years of medical school and then a couple of years of, um, and then your PhD and then your last two years of medical school. So it's kind of like an accelerated track for your PhD, which can be good or bad, but you still do all four years of your medical school. Um, so people do that. People get their PhD and then go into um, academia and they work right alongside with doctors. Um, it's, it really depends on your track and what your interest is. Uh, a lot of people just do PhDs, but they're so they're focused on cancer biology or they're focused on some kind of disease state that is really translational. So there's a whole category called translational medicine. So like the two big umbrellas are translational medicine and um, basic science. Basic science is really into the nitty gritty, like you're at the um, really tiny levels of, of biology. And maybe the information you find isn't translatable in terms of, okay, these are gonna help patients, but it's going to be, this is gonna help our understanding. So then eventually we can bring it to the translational level to eventually help, um, help patients. Uh, but the translational level is just like, you can directly correlate. I know, um, again, one of my cohort mates, well, ex-cohort mates since I graduated, um, <laughs> She does direct translational to the point where she develops um, a part of the body that she develops with a 3D printer and that actually gets inserted into um, babies to help uh, with, I, I forget the exact disease state, but it's a uh, deformation that they correct with what she creates. So it's directly translational, really cool science, material science is like, the bee's knees, in my opinion. Yeah, that sounds really amazing. But uh, see, the thing is that now it can vary into so many fields, but since it's something that's new, biomedical engineering, engineering itself, so what are the job prospects? Can you get into biomedical engineering like when you're looking for a job immediately, or do you have to go into some other field for that? So it's a bit of a Interesting thing. So you're not, when you look for a career, you're not necessarily a biomedical engineer. You're um, a research scientist. You are a lab technician or, well, not necessarily lab technician, depending on the degree you get. Um, I guess if you get like just your bachelor's, you could go into being a lab technician, a research associate. Um, you can even go into consulting, which is really cool. So consulting is basically you get hired by other companies to help give your knowledge. Um, so if it's a biopharm company, 
you can say, you know, this is the approach that you should go to. You should take X, Y, and Z. These are the experiments you should do. Um, and then the company can either take your advice or ignore you, which is apparently one of the most frustrating things in consulting. Um, according to one of my friends who is currently a consultant, she's like, I never really understood that. They hire us and then they don't listen. But um, that's another field you can go into. Let's see, what else can you go into as a biomedical engineer? Um, there are just so many options. I think the, the main ones are the ones that I had already named. Um, it's a lot of research, um, a quality control engineer you can go into. Um, I think that's what one of my friends is doing right now. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of research and development, those types of things. Um, especially with your bachelor's, a lot of people start off as a quality control engineer, and then they work their way up to research and development. With your master's or your PhD, you can go straight into research or development because they see that you have that research experience. Okay, I see. So um, now you went on from studying biomedical engineering to um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So how does, uh, did you relate anything of your education in uh, biomedical engineering to your career now? Yeah, actually, so recently, um, thank goodness, recently I was hired by the uh, UMass Medical, UMass Chan Medical School, they recently changed their name, in the Office of Health Equity, I'll be their program manager, so I'll be researching, developing, implementing, and then eventually analyzing the programs I put into place um, to improve diversity, equity, inclusion within the staff and faculty there. I'm very excited. Uh, so one of the skills, many of the skills are transferable. They really like that I came from a STEM background because they're like, you know how to do research. And because you'll be working with staff and faculty that are coming from STEM backgrounds that are working in STEM backgrounds, um, they'll, I don't know how to say this in a way that's a little bit more, they'll give me a little bit more respect, I guess, because they understand that like, I understand what they're studying, not necessarily the exact science, but like, I understand the process of what it is, what it means to work within the STEM field. Um, so I, I was really thankful that they liked that aspect of my background. Um, other skills besides just the research is, uh, I think the resilience, because working in STEM and uh, studying STEM, especially you have a lot of, a lot more failures than you do have successes, um, which is okay. It doesn't correlate with you as a person. It's just in science in general, you fail a lot, um, a lot. <laughs> and you have those successes every now and then. And I think that's gonna help me with DEI because even though it's an emerging field right now and everybody seems to be hiring within DEI, it's a very frustrating field because it takes time to implement these changes for them to happen. So you have to have resilience and you have to be able to know like you're not gonna see that impact immediately. Your program is gonna be implemented and maybe a year later, two years later, you're gonna see that it changed. So that resilience I believe is really gonna help me. Um, what else? There's just so many transferable skills, uh, science presentations. So like I said, I'm going to be analyzing my programs. Luckily, I'm going to be working with a, another um, office who does a lot of the analysis, data analysis, because that's their specialty. And then I will be presenting the work that they find. Uh, so of course, as you know, there's science communication, which is one of my favorite aspects of STEM, because I think if you're this absolutely brilliant human being, but you're not able to communicate your science at the level of, you know, within layman's term to the general public, it doesn't really matter what you find because the majority of the population is the general public. 
So I'm really excited to be able to translate what I'm doing to the general population of a university that, yes, if you explained high level science to them, they totally get it. But then you get to diversity, equity, inclusion, they might not get all of the concepts. I'm excited that I'm kind of going in the other direction where, yes, you guys are brilliant, but you don't necessarily have the background in this. Let me see if I can help you get to this point through the presentation of my data, of my statistics, of all of this analyzed data that, you know, scientists, PhDs, medical doctors, that's what they want to see. You know, they don't want the wishy-washy of, hey, you know, kumbaya, let's get together. Let's all be friends and accept each other, which is important. But they're like, but what do the numbers say? So I'm excited that I get to approach diversity, equity, inclusion through the lens of data analysis. Yeah, it does sound really exciting. The way you describe it is just amazing. And I'm really excited for you as well. It sounds uh, so, uh, like, I can't wait to hear what else comes into this field and area of expertise. So uh, will you basically be looking at how to increase the numbers of diversity at the university itself and how, like, how to be more inclusive of people? Correct. So we're going to develop programs to be able to do that. We also want to create pipelines through HBCUs, for example, to get those HBCU scholars into our university. Um, once they graduate there, we want to get them, you know, studying science at our university. We want the students that graduate from our graduate programs, because the interesting thing about UMass Chan Medical School is we're just a graduate school. So it's graduate students, nursing students, and medical students. So once they graduate out, um, and we're also a hospital, we want them to go gain other experiences, but we want eventually them for them to come back. Um, so we're creating different pipelines to do that, um, different programs to bring in people to just visit the university and see like, would this be somewhere you want to come? So like one of my ideas that I mentioned in my interview is to have some kind of banquet that not only do they bring invited scholars that already have their PhDs that are possible um, people, applicants to be working at the university, but to have them also bring one of their mentees because then their mentees can see, okay, UMass Chan Medical School cares so much about DEI that not only are they bringing my mentor, but they're bringing me to see, you know, what work they're doing here um, and how we can help with the work or we can improve that, not just within DEI, but within the science. Because at the end of the day, DEI is important because it improves science. So there's literally been studies that show, so the National Academy of Sciences have shown that even though a group can be specialists in an area, if they're more homogeneous, the more diverse group actually does better because you have different points of view that are coming in. Um, you have different approaches to problems and you have, if you have multiple approaches to the same problem, you're taking different paths and one of them is gonna be faster versus if everybody thinks the same way, they might get lucky and they found the fastest approach, but most likely they didn't. And um, so that's why like, we, we wanna have these programs to show these students, like this is why we care about it because yes, you're a diverse human being, human being and we care about that, but because you are that, you are going to improve the sciences. You're gonna improve the quality of work that we do here. And at the end of the day, that's what we wanna do within science. That's what we wanna do within medicine is improve the quality of life of society. And we do that through improvement of science and medicine. Yeah, I feel like this is such an important career because it's important not only for now, but also later. 
because um, think about the amount of changes we can make by bringing in diverse cultures into an just a, an area in general. So uh, imagine from someone from Southeast Asia or and from Europe or from just anywhere on the world coming all together at a table and discussing how things differ in their uh, ethnicity or in their traditions mm-hmm. and how some device is important for them and how it's different for some other country. So just bringing everyone from across the world together to brainstorm on just a single idea and making a perfect model. I think that's so important and we should have more diversity in STEM fields or just any career in general because it's going to help for the future, not just now. Exactly, and like you were saying earlier, if people go through different experiences, they have, you know, someone that is their why, uh, a family member or a friend. And culturally, geographically, people go through different things. They experience like their higher rates of certain diseases in certain areas, and that's going to push forward someone possibly in their passion. Um, they're going to be able to see ailments and experience them in real life. Uh, for example, uh, I unfortunately don't know his name right now, but there is a student who is trying to write a medical book purely based on, um, you know, how these ailments show themselves within black individuals because they look different. There's textbooks that really, you don't see black individuals. So it's hard to um, maybe diagnose when your examples are all from um, the Caucasian perspective. Um, So, you know, that diversity, that point of view is important to increase the education as well. Um, so yeah, diverse backgrounds are extremely important because they have these passions that push them that are different than others. Yeah, absolutely. That's an extremely interesting point because I just thought from a perspective of a younger child um, of maybe of a, of a different color other than Caucasian and they're looking at a textbook and they are seeing just white people um, and they're like, hey, but that's not how I look. What about mm-hmm. me? How how will this look if it was, uh, if I had gotten this disease or how will this seem for me? And exactly. um, then imagine a younger child thinking, oh, this must just, this just must be affecting white people. It's not for me then. Let's just skip this chapter. So I think it's really important that we bring diversity in even science art, like making diagrams of people from all across the world not just white people I think that's also extremely important so I hope we all like work on this in the future (laughs) and now as well 100% I agree entirely yeah science art is also it's another form of science communication which again like I said is one of my favorite aspects of science so um, science illustration is improving diversity within science illustration like you said is also extremely important representation in general um is people need to see themselves to know that these these issues can also impact me um, or even within their medical doctors, like knowing like, okay, they come from a similar background than me ethnically, culturally. So they are going to respect maybe traditions that other doctors don't necessarily, not that they don't respect them, but they don't understand them. They can empathize, but they can't really truly understand, right? Um, and also it's important for kids to see like, that could be me. If you don't see yourself in these peoples, it's harder to imagine yourself in those positions. 
which is another wall when it comes to diversifying STEM. Um, yeah, so that's just another reason why it's so important, because like you said, young children need to see themselves. Right, yeah, because um, like we are all impacted by media a lot, especially like these days since TikTok is going about and just all the social media platforms are booming. So it's really important that we program that, a channel that into at least media. And um, now there are like petitions going about. And recently, I think uh, on Instagram itself, there was a fetus of a person of color. So, and a lot of people were proud that, oh, now it's something different. It's not just a white person carrying a baby. We, we can also see diagrams of a black fetus. So that was just uh, amazing. I really love to see that. Yeah, or even like something as simple as an emoji where they're, you know, yeah. not, just, not just yellow people. <laughs> like, and now there's people of all different, you can use the base yellow, which I like that the, they now made that the base was yellow rather than the base being someone that looks white. Yeah. Um, so the standard is something that like, no one is actually a, a pure yellow color, but you can pick a skin tone that, you know, represents you. Um, so something as simple as that, yeah, exactly. So I think we're making progress slowly and hopefully in the future it would all be diverse and equity. So I think your career is just perfect and it will just help everyone around you. Yeah, I think one thing when I told my dad I want to go into this field, which he was very worried about, he was like, Natasha, <laughs> you have a degree in engineering from Georgia Tech, like you're set. And I was like, okay, dad, but I promise you that degree is going nowhere. I've got two degrees. They don't expire. If I want to go back into engineering, I totally can. But right now I want to go into DE9. He's like, well, you know, eventually you're not going to have a job because it's going to be diverse. And I was like, and that's the point. And that's the point. Like, hopefully my position isn't needed one day. That's, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to work to get to that point. And then if that happens, I can go back to engineering. <laughs> I think it's perfect you have engineering to fall back on and this amazing field to focus on right now it's just perfect <laughs> yeah, it, it's not and it's funny to say that like my in engineering is my fallback <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean usually it's the other way around but <laughs> exactly. exactly but you know it's you got to follow your passion so I think that's one thing that I really I learned throughout my journey is I, I was interested in, bi in biomedical engineering and I was really passionate about diversity within STEM and I thought I wanted to be that diversity in STEM and I still kind of do, but I think what I missed was my true passion was that diversity aspect. Um, so that's one thing that you really need to make sure you're doing is following your passion. So, you know, if the world was a bartering system, you could do whatever you want because you didn't need money, do that thing. You know, don't worry about, don't worry about the bag, worry about, you know, your, your, what's going to make you happy at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. And um, as being in the STEM field, did you experience any challenges or any discrimination since engineering is um, like mainly a male dominated field? And so did you experience any fallback or any discrimination? <laughs> wow, that is a loaded question. Um, I think 
one thing that I experienced, uh, just one example would be, not that there's like a bunch, but one example, uh, the way that I write, I don't necessarily like to write in the way that science expects you to write, which in my opinion is like an old white male. Someone who sounds super pretentious, super educated. Um, I, I don't write like that because I'm like, what is the point? It's hard to follow. It's not accessible to the general public. When you publish papers, everyone can read it. You can give it to anyone. If I want to give my paper to my mom to read, I want her to be able to at least understand and follow along. If I have a presentation, um, like a, a defense or a proposal, which I, I didn't need to do that because I did a non-thesis, but if I, if I did, um, I want my, my friends and family can come, I want them to be able to follow along, right? So I think that was one thing where my mentor and I butt heads a lot um, because they wanted me to write in a specific way. And I'm like, that's not how I communicate. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily discrimination, um, but one thing that I definitely see in science is they want a diverse background where we look diverse, but they want us to think the same way. And that defeats the purpose of diversity. We don't speak the same. We don't think the same. And that's what's bringing the, the good things to the table. It doesn't matter what I look like. Like, I mean, it does in terms of representation for kids and representation for the initial surface layer. But to get deeper than that, for me to make a real difference is the way I think, is the way I speak, is the way I write. It's going to be different, but they wanted to streamline me. Um, so that was the one place where I think we really, <laughs> yeah, taking a wall. Yeah, I mean, this has to change because having a white male's perspective for every single thing, that's just not how it's going to work. And I'm so sorry if you face any discrimination in your field because no one deserves to go through any of that. Um, you, you deserve to get into a field that you're passionate about and focus on it regardless of what anyone says. And uh, I'm glad that people are standing up now and getting into engineering or any STEM field because we have to break the stereotypes. And mm -hmm. no matter what any, I know it's hard to say that no matter what anyone says, just push forward because it does pinch sometimes that um, like they're pulling you down. But in order to represent the people of your culture and ethnicity, we have to push forward. 100%. It's hard to go against the accepted, I guess, like terms and conditions of science, but it's important to do so. It's important to do so. Right, yeah. And speaking of which, lastly, is there any advice you would like to give to anyone wanting to join the same field as yours? Know your why, why you go into it. Um, define that like very specifically um, because if you don't need a degree in that area, go to a different area. Go to something where you always want to, I don't know if this is a good advice, but you always want to build your resume. So build your resume for the thing that you want to do and why you want to do that thing. Because then you can go in a direction, you can build towards your career, that's gonna make you your happiest. So. When you, if you go into a graduate STEM program or an undergraduate STEM program, it's gonna be hard. 
it's gonna be really hard. Um, you need to know why you're doing it and that's gonna help you get through it. You want to find the perfect prosthesis, the perfect way to fit people's prosthetics because your friend went through something. Remember that. Remember that when you're taking your Orgo 2 exam and you may have failed. Remember that when you have to retake a class because you failed it. It's okay. I had to drop a class before and that's fine. Remember that when your experiment fails 10 times in a row, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you're going through a hard major and that's fine. You need to be trained to be resilient, especially if you want to be a scientist. So that would be my advice. Yeah, that's some really great advice and so inspiring and motivating. So, uh, well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for coming on. I had such a great time interacting with you. And uh, to let all of you know, this podcast is now available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and all your other listening platforms. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.